Hello, and welcome to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. I'm Ryan Purvis, your host, supported by our producer Heather Bicknell. In this series, you'll hear stories and opinions from experts in the field, stories from the front lines, the problems they face and how they solve them, the areas they're focused on from technology, people and processes, to the approaches they took that will help you to get to the scripts for the digital workspace inner workings. Yeah, very good. Thanks. Very good. It's just as usual, too many balls in the air. Too much going on. It feels like um, like the world has woken up again or something. Hmm. I can <laughs> I can relate to that. Just uh, go go go. Never know when to take a moment to. Take a deep breath and take it all in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and it just feels like uh, I don't know. Just, just from a time point of view, you know, even though mm-hmm. um, you're not commuting, maybe, maybe what's happened is we've just we've just filled up the time now because we're not commuting everywhere. So now you have even less time because you, um, yeah, you don't have that buffer when you go to commute. Maybe that's it. I don't know. I sort of wish <laughs> from a work perspective, like imagine this. You're, yes, you go into an office every day. Maybe you have, you know, a commute that's not super fun, but there's no work, you know, work tech yet that can follow you home. You know, you don't have a, a company laptop. Your, you know, your phone doesn't do your email and you just go home and work is done. I think that's it for me is that um, even, you know, before commuting to an office, you know, everyone's leaving around the five to six mark. You shut your computer down. Maybe you'll check a couple Teams messages or your email at home, but you're not going to, you know, get you can't get that sucked into work because work's at work. So that's mm. it for me anyway. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I remember when I was starting up my, my career in the Microsoft world, I had an MD and he used to, every time he caught us working late at night, which was pretty much every night, he used to say, I wish we were just making widgets. You know, there's only a certain amount of widgets you make a day. And then if you don't make enough, you you don't make them that day. You know, that's it. Um because yeah, I, I don't think you've understood the whole technicalities of what we were actually doing writing software. Um, so his his understanding was always limited. Um, and, you know, like people moan about working in an office job sometimes, like a normal job. And sometimes you wish you had that job because, you know, this this kind of work you can just do all the time. You just, you could you could work till midnight every night and still not, not finish it because um, it's always there, um, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, so you have to set your own boundaries and stuff, but it's easier said than done sometimes. Well, well, that's that that is the problem, and and you know, you you've got to give yourself permission um, to take a break as well. You know, so going for that walk or, or watching a little bit of Netflix, not not everything. Um, otherwise, you just blow up. Um, and that's where I think mental mental wellness has come back 
Um, well, it's it's always been there, but it's you know definitely something that's talked about a lot more often. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I don't want to complain too much because we have some pretty hefty topics on for today um, that really put, uh, I guess, um, work in a new light. So we talked about, we have two topics really at the intersection of, I think, humans, machines, and labor. And they're both interesting because in one one of the topics we there's it's sort of like the um the wizard behind the curtain you know mm. we things seem much more magical and refined than than maybe they truly are and then on the other topic i think it's interesting because maybe we are in some ways more ahead than we might have thought um so i don't know if you want to we can dig into the first one on the you know, human beings training a lot of the AI that's out there today. Um, both, uh, you know, the low paid labor that exists out there and the companies that are hiring people sort of on a contract basis to do AI, you know, data model training and, you know, train image engines and stuff like that, um, which can be really stressful and, um, in some cases, like, you know, traumatic work, even for things like content moderation. Yeah, let's start with that. And I'll be honest, I mean, we used to joke about the thing of the student API, um, which it didn't really translate to a lot of, in a lot of meetings, the people got the concept, but basically you're paying students to do the work until you could justify investing in the, the, the sophisticated tool. Um, and I've worked in various organizations with, with, you know, various complicated things that that um, AI could be used to solve. And the one that I was thinking about um, as well was this legal documents um, when you sign agreements in different countries and the clauses and all the rest of it are written in the, in the local language, but you've got to get that back to a common language and make sure that you haven't misinterpreted the clause um, through the translation process. And and the company in mind had about uh, I don't know there was a few a few hundred employees that were PhDs uh, legal experts and also language experts and they were translating you know from Polish to English and French to English and and whatever it was and they were trying to do all the stuff and the and the theory was if they could automate that using machine learning they could save like a million dollars a month in salaries. Um, but I don't think they, you know, even though they could use the technology, they could only get to maybe a 60%, 70% improvement. Um, so you still needed the experts, but at least you were speeding up the process. Because that was the other thing is, you know, to go through contracts takes time. And especially ones with, 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 with um, you know, nuances to them because of, it's always a different deal or whatever it is. Um, but, you know, this article surprised me because of some of the other things which, um, you know, I, I know I knew of, of products that were built where there was no AI, but they were telling it was an AI. Um, and you just knew because of of some article by accident where they let it slip. Um, but then you you know you find out through the grapevine about other ones where they're selling it as an AI tool, but actually it's a whole bunch of humans doing it. And I think one of them was a scheduling tool for meetings. Um, before um, 
Cortana came along and they said they would do, you know, this tool would, would organize your meetings for you. And then you realize, and, and they found out that it was people because the, the language wasn't exactly right. It was different, different people writing responses. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's not surprising now that having read the article. Yeah, definitely. Um, unfortunately, not not surprising. I think we know, right, that a lot of even even the stuff that actually is AI, putting aside the things that are just faked, like fully faked, that these you know algorithms, these these data sets, like there's all a lot of the there's a lot of repetitive. Um, like un unglamorous work that's behind building up a lot of these, you know, large models and and actually doing the the training piece. Um, and there are humans behind that. So we, you know, we've been hearing a lot about, you know, chat GPT and generative AI and and all of this stuff. I think um, you know, what and and it's coming in this in the news cycle a little bit more, but the the actual people behind training a lot of those, um, you know, things that just like are, are blowing people's minds right now. We kind of miss that they're, um, it's not just AI, you know, automatically doing it right. That there are people behind the scenes, maybe not getting treated super well, who are actually getting the things to that state by by training them. Yeah, and, and if you remember that, you know, when Capture came out on your website, there was it was asking you to confirm those images, et cetera. That that was a part of crowdsourcing uh, labeling of the data, which is what what we're talking about here. And you know, in order for machine learning and, and all that stuff to work, you need to have a set of data that is correctly labeled, and a set that isn't, and allow the algorithm to process. And this is supervised learning, um, and and allow the uh, the the data that isn't um, Labeled to go through the the algorithm that versus what has been, and that's what they call it. They call it when they call it training. That's what they mean. Um, and then you still have some need someone to check it. Now, now the uns the unsupervised learning is you know basically point the algorithm at all the data and see what it comes out with, um, which is really groupings and classifications and that sort of thing. Um, I think the you know if you look at at any sort of sweatshop stigma. You know the, the kids building shoes in Vietnam or, or whatever it is for Nike or Adidas, whatever it was. I, I don't know who it was back in those days. Um, that analogy could be applied to this as well, where you're paying people to do you know brain dead data capture, to be honest, um, and paying them a low wage. But you've got to take into context of is that wage low by first world society based on where you live? You know the, the pound versus the the, the dollar. Um, versus what they earn in that country. I mean, I was talking to people this morning about some resources and discussing what you'd pay for that resource in the UK. And if you multiply that out into rands, um, it's a ridiculously big number. I mean, you're talking three, four, five times the thing. And and if you go look at the resource, you know, here in South Africa, it's a good resource getting a good salary in South African terms, um, but not what you'd be paid in pounds. But then your living cost in pounds is also significantly higher. Um, so, you know, you've always got to balance these things out. I guess as long as the people are humanely treated and they, you know, get benefits and employee benefits and all those sorts of things, or at least they're entering into contract with a choice, they, 
you know, that are, that are forced into it, um, it should be okay, in theory. Yeah, I think, well, um, I think it was a Vice article that we're discussing, so we'll link it in the show notes. So they do the, bring up the the point about, um, you know, wages being, or money going farther in different economies. I think one of the, the interesting points they also noted was that because it's a lot of this is um, gig work, that there's not sort of advancement opportunities necessarily in this line of work. So you um, it's being you, even though um, there is some skill and there is skill to this labor, if you read the experiences of the people working um, doing this kind of work, they um they do have to to learn things to to be able to do it. I think um, it's being, you know, treated as unskilled labor, and then they don't have because it's gig work, and they're just doing you know one off things, you know, bidding for jobs. Basically, there's less of an advancement pipeline. So I think it's just a good you know good thing to be aware of that this kind of work, just like we you know became people were aware of sweatshops and you know any of it it's like yeah a digital a digital version ai isn't just magic there are people behind the scenes sometimes so i think um just good to be aware of that in all the noise about the excitement of ai yeah look and let's not take away from you know ChatGDP in as an as an example everyone will understand this one at least you know that that is something that has been built designed tagged you know all that kind of stuff and, and to our knowledge so far has used um unsupervised learning to build out a um its training models and, and it's you know it's in its fourth version or third you know three and a half now going into its fourth version um uh, you know there are a lot of ais that are built that way where it's it's you know truly um artificial um but there are these other ones where we exactly that they're, they're taking the thing i mean I, and, I, and I'll, I'll share a story of my recent trip up to joburg and i was talking to one of the drivers that i use um, and I met him as an Uber driver, and I just, you know, at the time said, look, you know, I need a trustworthy driver that I can just call on when I need to. I don't want to go through Uber. I'll pay you directly. Um, and he's been my driver for, you know, every time I do a trip to Joburg and, you know, over the years. And he was telling me about how, you know, he can't even live off what he gets out of Uber anymore because their algorithm and their choices are impacting him directly. They, are, you know, they're deciding that, you know, a trip that's not to 20 kilometers, they'll pay one rate. And then a trip that's over 20 to over 20 kilometers, they'll pay a quarter of the rate. And, you know, in, in Johannesburg and, and, you know, Cape Town and all that, most of your trips are over 20 Ks. Um, so he's always getting the worst rate. Uh, and, so, and it's not just him, it's, you know, it's all the other Uber drivers. And, you know, that's that's a case where the data is not being applied to the to the economy that it's in. Um, and if I pay a private taxi guy, we're in Muscle Bay at the moment, I pay them 10 rand a kilometre. The equivalent for this driver in Joburg is about 8 rand a kilometre within um, the 20Ks and goes down to 4 rand um, over 20. So, you know, and I, and I don't, we don't have to go through the whole math of, of why that's bad, but it, it's, it is bad. Uh, it's, 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 I mean, the, the price of a litre of fuel is... 13, 14 rand, uh, and I know in dollars and pounds, you know, these are very small numbers because you're dividing that by 18 and dividing that by 20. Um, 
but these guys have to live, support families, etc. And and this is where you, you know, and I think this is part of where Elon Musk was saying things need to be regulated. Um, if you're using people in involved in these things, there needs to be some level of minimum wage that is regulated. So when you implement a gig-based technology, um, that needs to comply with the minimum wage in that country, you know, to provide the minimum living standard. Um, if you are, um, and, and you're right, there's no there's no career progression. I mean, you know, this this driver or or the driver here in the tech, you know, what's the, they have no choices. They can't go and become a you know team leader or or earn more money that way. They and and you know they're driving long hours to generate the minimum income, so they're they're in a, they're stuck. Um, now, if you look at where some of these plans are with these with these um, technologies, you know, self-driving cars and all that kind of stuff, these sorts of jobs won't even exist in in the future if if these all go to plan. So, you know, what do you do with those people? Um, you know, he, you know, the, the driver and Joby was saying to me, you know, what do I do? I need to learn computers now. How do I learn computers? And like, and you're sitting there going, well, how do you train someone that's got no skills really inverted commas because um most of them don't into a technology world uh where already the the, the chat gdp is generating code um you know writing your problem statements for you and all that kind of stuff because the data has just been processed and pushed out that that curve has just gotten uh, more aggressive to learn at a speed to, to catch up so it's it's a very interesting and scary problem that's coming because you're gonna have a whole lot of people that don't have the the, the know-how to go up a level uh, and in many jobs, not just um, the one I've mentioned. Yeah, I think this is actually a good transition into the the other sort of side of the human machine labor equation that we'd um, been looking into, which is robotics as a service, you know, the the latest as a service that I have heard about everything. What can't be as a service now? I challenge you. Um, but uh, yeah, renting robots essentially mainly for manufacturing or warehousing roles. Obviously, it's replacing um, sort of one root task of of you know lifting something here, putting it something there, screwing you know whatever widget in. But there's you know definitely aspirations and goals to add AI and ML to the mix and make these things more intelligent and be able to do more skills as well. And I thought it was interesting. There was um, an employer talking about how, you know, he can rent these robots for $8 an hour and a human costs $15 an hour. So, you know, he personally is like, well, we're not going to downsize our staff, but maybe we don't need to hire more. Um, We can, you know, let our people do more interesting work um, but it is overall, I think, going to reduce the job pool um, as things like this become, you know, like the economics there. If you can rent for eight versus pay for 15, and especially if you're a small business, you know, it's it's the classic robots. Robots will take our jobs, which, you know, they have in a lot of um, manufacturing settings already. There's a lot of, you know, technology that has come in to replace previous human labor. Yeah, and I think some of it makes sense. I mean, I remember a very good book uh, many years ago. What was it called? I think it was called Airframe. Or it might have been Disclosure, actually. I think it was Disclosure. It was a Michael Crichton book. 
and and it's I mean the story is all about sexual harassment and and all that kind of stuff. But the the part that's important to our conversation is they were manufacturing a computer in Asia and they couldn't get it to meet the quality standards. And what they realized at the end of the book, the conclusion was actually the problem was that the humans putting the chip into the computer onto the motherboard didn't have the accuracy or the finesse to put the chip in the right place every single time. And that's why some batches were good and some batches were bad. Um, and and it's, it's kind of that, that point. So when you have um, repetitive tasks with with a need to be accurate and all the rest, I, I have no problem with that being a machine-driven thing. And if it's an intelligent machine, it does that and it saves a human life um, or, or it augments what the, what the human will do. And you, and you remember we talked about that power suit uh, for lifting things and, and that sort of stuff. You know, I don't have a problem with that. And if you look at um, logistics and warehousing and, and that sort of stuff, we got to put boxes away and pick them up and carry them, move them around. It, it makes total sense that that's, that that's using some sort of technology to solve that problem. Uh, where it becomes probably concerning again is you know, a lot of the economies that, that that exist are based on having a certain level of blue level, certain blue collar and a certain level of white collar workers. Um, and as the, the technology will eat into those industries, where do you put the people um, that don't have jobs anymore? You know, how do they provide for for families and, you know, all that kind of stuff? And you're seeing it already in some industries um, where, and, and, and you know, self-driving cars, self-driving trucks are probably not the ones to look at. But it's it's the, um, you know, I was doing some legal work over the weekend, and I asked a, a lawyer for something, and he didn't charge me because he said, look, all I did was write down three words, three sentences to what I wanted, and we generated the template from from this product that we use, and um, you know, I'll only charge you if you want me to change anything in the contract. So you know that 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 would have normally been. Um, a week's worth of work, let's say. Um, but, you know, I got the contract, looked at it, it was actually, you know, fairly, fairly okay. Uh, and I'm sending it off to another attorney to give it a second look because, you know, I just want to make sure that that, that by doing it so quickly, so cheaply, that I haven't actually, you know, opened up a huge um, thing. And, and and that's, a you know, that's a sort of white collar job that's potentially going away. If you look at, at you know, something very basic like providing garbage garbage collection services, you know, why could that not be an automated bot that drives down your driveway and picks up the using, you know, vision uh, AI to pick up the right dustbin to tip into the thing? And, and there's a human watching it, but, you know, let it carry on because, you know, that's a that's a, a meaningless task, um, to be fair. Uh, and and why not have a machine do that? And if you're dealing with hazardous waste and, and all those things, uh, I think it makes sense. Where... Where I think we get into uh, another murky thing is, you know, some some countries and South Africa is one of them uh, legislate that there has to be a job for everybody. Um, and for example, a petrol attendant is a is a is a very common job. I mean, there's always there's always someone doing the petroling, and by law there has to be a petrol attendant. So even though you could have a machine, you could do it yourself, there will still be a petrol attendant there that has to be paid. Um, so you're gonna have to see constitutions change. In some respects, and, and I don't have any other examples, but that, that was one that I was thinking of when uh, when I looked at this article because uh, I think in Egypt I had the same thing. You know, there there were people helping the person doing the job just because they have to pay a person uh, to do something. So there was a, like a, a guy carrying the broom for the guy street, sweeping the, the streets. Um, 
to that person had a job. No, I think it's it's really complicated, and I wonder how you know some of these things could intersect with movements toward the four day work week or even the thir- three day work week. I think you know if um or you know we haven't even touched on things like universal basic income, but you know if we all mm. we're talking about how stressed you know we are with everything that's going on and there's so much work. Um, if we could just spread out that work a bit more. <laughs> And and also skill people up, but um, anyway, yeah, I wonder if some of that could be sort of help redistribute um, well, some so, of this. So I don't know if you saw that that study on the four-day week in the UK, I think it was the UK, um, of all the companies that did it, I think the majority are sticking with it. So they're not going back to a five-day. Um, and I think that is going to be the reality. I think you're going to get a situation where uh, and you, and there's been a lot of stuff in, in one of the podcasts that was about um, one of the publishing companies. I think it was CNET was generating a whole lot of uh, articles using AIs. Um, and when, uh, Wordsmith was the AI, I think. And they were saying, yeah, but these are for generic articles that are that it's not worth having a journalist write them. Uh, and, and you know, obviously the work it's been using it's using the AI, but it's also using an AI to make it SEO heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know kind of becomes funny because now you're writing stuff artificially to become artificially more search sensitive, and the algorithms are artificially using it, then they're going to discard it because it's too perfect. Um, but I think it'll happen. Uh, you know, I look at at the at you know we went to the movies on Sunday. Um, we walk okay. Look again, you know, a lot of people involved in the process, but I booked everything on my online. I, including the food, I got there, the food was ready, I picked it up, we walked into the into the cinema, I, I needed something more, I texted the guy on WhatsApp, I need another thing of popcorn, he brought it to me. That could be a robotic thing, you know, on a, on a it could be a drone flying around carrying popcorn. But but the point is, it's, it's the technology's made it so close to demand-driven that, you know, that person who was bringing me the popcorn literally was just you know, I, he didn't. He, all he did was pick it up and bring it to me. There was no, there was no need to process the credit card transaction or take the order or anything like that. He was literally just bringing it to me. So how long until that job is just get replaced by a something else? Mm. Yeah, it's a good question, and it's happening everywhere. So I'm sure it won't be the last time we talk about it. But unfortunately, I do have to wrap go. up here for today. Super. Thanks for the chat too. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Heather Bicknell is our producer and editor. Thank you, Heather, for your hard work on this episode. Please subscribe to the series and rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at the DWW Podcast. The show notes and transcripts will be available on the website, www.digitalworkspace.works. Please also visit our website, www.digitalworkspace.works, and subscribe to our newsletter. And lastly, if you found this episode useful, please share with your friends or colleagues. 